we turned up and there was um, what I can only describe as a turd on the floor of the palace changing rooms. And I don't think anybody knows who left it there. I don't think we can discount the possibility of it being an inside job and like mind games by by somebody with, within the club to get to get the players uh, revved up. An inside jobby. Yeah. Oh, very good. <laughs> I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morale, bro. It's people's lives are at risk. Ollie Gunner, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. Take that as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello, comrades, and you're very welcome to the football spin. It's a football spin on a Friday morning, heading into a big weekend of Premier League action. Naz and Ruben, I am fucking literally punching the air to, to know the Premier League is back. I'm not anti the international break. I love international football. But I can tell you, on the, on the night that the Premier League shut up shop Sunday, Liverpool lose 7-2 to Aston Villa, which I enjoyed. And the start of the international break, that's the night that Ireland went into like our next level of lockdown. And basically for the last two weeks, we've had another level imposed. We've had to watch three horrible game of fo- games of football as Irish fans. So it feels like the clouds have parted and the sunshine has just come bursting through to think that we're going to have... I don't have to think about international football. And then I came in this morning <laughs> and I said, right, lads, what are we chat about? Well, first of all, let's talk about Harry Maguire and uh, then let's talk about Gareth Southgate. So, like, Thanks for that. Appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you are, you are correct. It's, it's like, um, do, do you know, do you know, certain pleasures um, are kind of uh, heightened if, like, there's a period of sort of like, uh, of like waiting up to the culmination of something. Um, it's, it's a little bit like that with like the Premier League being back in, in, in that sort of like we've, we've been on the precipice of this sort of like like orgasmic return of, of like real football, and then suddenly. Like on Saturday, you've got Everton, Liverpool, Chelsea, Southampton, City versus Arsenal, Newcastle versus Man United, and and and, and then and then on Sunday you've got Celtic Rangers to kick off. Why you have any conflicts? Uh, and, and 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 it's oh sorry sorry Celtic Rangers is on Saturday as well. So like like you've got such an amazing sort of uh, eruption of football being back that it kind of it makes you realise a how turgid and horrible and stupid international football is, especially in the current climate. But um. How much you miss actual real football? Yeah, so badly. Really? I mean, I, I don't, I don't mind international breaks. Uh, I prefer them when England play well. Um, but I'm one of those people who supports a shit team, and therefore it quite enjoys watching England because they're my big team. Um, <laughs> I, was my, I was gonna say they're my big team who win things, but obviously that would be a lie. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mind them, but it's not been that that enjoyable. Uh, but I'm, I think I'm mainly kind of I'm not that excited about the return of Premier League football because uh, we played Brighton on Sunday and I hate those games. But I'm excited for the rest of the games that that Nas mentioned, especially uh, the Merseyside derby. <laughs> Said you, who who's really only interested in one derby this weekend? Oh the yeah, the year twenty three derby. But look, let's get let's just keep that stuff that stuff on ice for now. It's not what it's called. Uh, is that not what it's called? It doesn't have a name. <laughs> what? 
We should we should give it a name. Well, this is why people call it that, but um, it doesn't really have a name. It's just uh, we're playing them, sort of. You know, it's because I don't know. It's not big enough for a name anyway. But all right, we can leave that to later. Let's. Uh, let's it's do... almost like we we've resolved not to talk about it, but it's just it's... so alluring that we can't <laughs> talk about. What about what about calling it the Costa Coffee Derby? Costa Coffee Derby. Why? Just because I just think of uh, of Brighton as being like quite gentrified and. And and, yeah. and 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 the only Palace fan I know is you, and 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 <laughs> and, and and you've been known to frequent the likes of Costa and uh, and and Pret a Manger and places like that. Yeah, I resent that accusation. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I support independent coffee shops. Actually, no, that's a lie. I'm a Pret man, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can't even call it a South Coast derby because obviously we're not by the coast. We're in London, so no. it's a bit it's a bit ridiculous. Um, and we have closer clubs to us in the same corner of London that. So, but I think the main reason oh, we're on the topic now, we might as well explore it. The main reason why um, Millwall and Charlton, for example, aren't our main rivalry is because we, for quite a long period of time, we were in separate leagues, so we just kind of never played them. Whereas Brighton have always kind of followed us uh, around for a bit. Like they were in League One for a long time, got promoted to the Championship, were in the same league as them for quite a few years, and then. Uh, they caught us up in the Premier League uh, sort of two or three years after we got promoted. So, um, I mean, there is a whole history behind it. it dates back to well before I was born. Um, but it's just something that you kind of get taught to to hate them, uh, even though a lot of people don't necessarily know why. But um, but that doesn't really matter. Like the reasons behind a rivalry don't matter. If 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 a rivalry exists, it exists, and you dread those games. And just want them to be over as soon as they begin, don't you? I I I, I love I love rival. Joking aside, I love rivals rivalries like this because, like, um, so, so often, like like rivalries in football have got like a really obvious sort of uh, meaning and sort of uh, yeah, they're geographical or yeah, yeah. Or, or like they're because like United and Arsenal, for example, two best teams in the country for quite a while, um, and then that becomes a thing and the players embody it. But this one is very different. Exactly, and and, and 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 I know it's not the same thing because uh, because it, this has got even less reason for existing. But like I I even enjoy the fact that like Stoke and and Arsenal have got this rivalry between themselves that no one else really cares about apart from from those two teams. And that one is so Timpot though, isn't it? It's just I know it is. It is, but but but, but like I love it. I, I, like like genuinely, like I, I know we joke about shithousery and we shout, and we joke about sort of pettiness, but like. It's that kind of pettiness is what's great because it because it sort of adds uh, color and drama to an, to an, an, an otherwise sort of unimportant fixture. And is it a is it a is it a bitter rivalry? Like, I mean, have we had any incidents that uh, need to be uh, shone a light upon over the years? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, are you, well, let's do, do, it. do you have one in mind, or is this a genuine? I just mean, is there any moments that like that have given this that have sort of like blowing this this rivalry up i mean like okay so i feel like we've talked about this before i feel like it's a coming it's a coming derby it's 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 one of the, it's it's an on the up derby yeah which yeah is, which is nice um okay so i mean it be- it began in the 70s when venables and alan mullery were managing palace and brighton respectively and uh or not not very respectively as it turned out there was a a cup a cup replay that got delayed by ages and then eventually when it was played Brighton scored a penalty and had to retake it. And then they missed the subsequent retake. And their manager, Alan Mullery, who used to play for us, was not very happy. And he ended up 
effing and blinding at the Palace fans, throwing coins at them, shouting, that's all you're worth. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of where it began. And then, right, Alan Muller used to play for Tottenham with Venables, actually, back when they were friends, before they became enemies. And we played Tottenham in the FA Cup in 2015-16. Uh, coincidentally, the Martin Kelly's only goal for Palace scored in that game. Anyway, we won. That was on our run to the final where we lost to some team. I can't remember. Um, and then Alan Mullery was a half-time guest at White Hart Lane. And he was he's an old man, right? So he's slightly uncomfortable. But 5,000 Palace fans spent the entire time he was out there talking to the interviewer, singing, Alan Mullery, you're a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like he was like 85 at uh, something oh, ridiculous Jesus. right it was it was it, yeah it was quite it was quite bad but like that that's an example of the vitriol in in the rivalry since then in more recent years you've had um so 2013 playoff semis um you may remember Wilfred Zaha scoring twice at the Amex to send us to Wembley or maybe maybe you have no idea that happened and that's just something that we all remember. Um, and <laughs> anyway, so it, it, Ian Holloway was our manager yeah. and Gus Poyet was their manager. And um, we turned up and there was um, what I can only describe as a turd on the floor of the Palace changing rooms. And I don't think anybody knows who left it there, how it happened, but it appeared to motivate our players Um and then Wilf scored twice to send us through to the playoff final, and yeah, both goals were were pretty special. Um, and then I reckon, uh, like, like first of all, I reckon that that could have been like a Netflix special. Like, they should have got forensics in to find out who did it. <laughs> S- secondly, like, I, I don't think we can discount the possibility of it being an inside job and like mind games by by somebody with within the club to get to get the players uh, revved up. An inside jobby. Yeah, <laughs> very good. <laughs> Well, I mean, Holloway's, he's got unorthodox methods, but I don't know if he'd go that far. But either way, I'm pretty sure they were filming a documentary of some sort, but it just never came out. So, which is very disappointing because it was, it was very, it was very uh, intense, interesting game. Um, And then, yeah, in more recent years, they've just, it's not been like the the games that we've played them in the Premier League haven't been that exciting. There was the 3-2 where all five goals were scored in the first half that I actually was at, which was, pretty pretty special but um and then the last time we played them was not long before all the stadiums closed actually and uh jordan i scored and we won one nil despite playing pretty turgid football but um doesn't matter when you win does it doesn't um well you've certainly whetted my appetite for the um costa <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Cannot be, cannot be allowed to become a thing. Yeah. I, 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 I really enjoy that potted history. Like, like, like I found that fascinating. Yeah, oh, definitely. Good stuff. All right. Um, well, Sunday two screw o'clock. The Merseys. Yeah, there you go. It's the derby. Everybody needs to focus on. Forget about the Merseyside derby. Um, okay. Well, let's move on. We did say we we're going to talk to, about Harry Maguire, and um, obviously, uh, it's been a very tough um, period for him on the field mistakes and then getting sent off for England against Denmark during the week. But Nas, there's people now that are asking, I would say with fair legitimacy, like, is it time that Harry Maguire was given a rest? Because, you know, obviously people have seen exactly what he's been through in terms of when his trouble started in August of this year, when he was given a suspended sentence for 
repeated bodily harm and attempted bribery and violence against employees on the, the Greek island of uh, Syros. It's a very tricky time for him. And at this stage, it's just, I think the general feeling amongst people that are watching him is that, look, at, uh, it's not about performance, his ability as a player. This is a guy that just probably now at this stage just needs a rest and and it just needs an intervention, really. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one to really judge and, and, and how to deal with it because on the one hand, you kind of think... Um, like, like we, with footballers and managers, like, and 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 this is this is why um, no one wants to lose a game badly just before an international break because the the logic is always you've got a you've got a game coming up straight away and you can make amends or or you can focus on that and I think um, just as uh, just as creatures like like that's how that's how people in football think and that's that's their safe space. So even if you're going through troubles, even though even if you're going through problems, like being out there on the pitch or being out there on the touchline, is is your your not only your safe space and what you're what you're good at, but also um, an opportunity for you to make amends or an opportunity for you to take control of the situation and have a good game or or sort of um, manage a team to victory. The the problem with um, Maguire is he's obviously in such a um, difficult place in his head and it's and, it, and it's and it's there for all to see that you kind of think like it's getting to a point where where it's snowballing and you kind of think like just he, he he could do with just a bit of time out um and it's it's interesting that because like, there was a lot of talk about what united were going to do what social was going to do and 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 i noticed this morning um um on on friday morning um essentially the, the this reports that he's picked up a knock now whether that's true or not like that could be a a blessing and it may even be a situation where where united and Solskjaer have decided that it's best to keep him out don't want to say he's dropped don't want to say that he's um that he needs some time out, but like, like it's convenient to say sort of, sort of he's had a knock or he's had an injury because he, he, he evidently needs just, just some time away from everything um, on the football side. And, and this, this incessant spotlight on him needs to be um, withdrawn a little bit. I feel. To be fair, he did look like he, he was clutching his hamstring at one point during the game before he got sent off. So it might be um, like a convenient, knock almost as you say rather than something that they've kind of invented for good reason if they have but yeah and generally speaking um i didn't watch the england game against denmark like was maguire like was there the, was the narrative around his sending off that he wasn't playing very well even before he got sent off yeah i mean he was he was playing on the left of a back three like he did at the world cup so he was kind of bringing the ball out and he ended up out of position quite a lot he ended up because Maitland-Niles was playing as left wing back and he tucking in a lot and Maguire ended up basically playing as like a left back quite high up the pitch a lot, which is not where you want him because he turns like a truck and um, and he's right footed and it's just not where you want him to, to operate on the pitch. So he wasn't playing really, he wasn't playing very well. And then like a few sloppy touches. I thought the red card, like it's two yellows and they're both, they're both kind of silly tackles, but they're not that bad. So it was a little bit harsh. Um, but it was kind of, yeah, he wasn't playing very well. And 
he was always he he was going to get caught out eventually like that. Like if it didn't happen in the first half, it probably would happen in the second half because he wasn't. Um, he he was well off the pace, um, which makes his selection all the more baffling, really. And it's like for Maguire, and we'll move on to England in a moment and Gareth Southgate, but there is that sort of sense of him as like you know before all this as well, and even before I think the the Manchester United move that he had this sort of natural you know, exuberance as a, as a player. And he had a sort of a, per, like he has a personality um, and that this kind of uh, incident would, would weigh on him. Like I do remember uh, when we were doing the Joe World Cup mini pod back in the day, one of my, uh, I think Nas, you described his performances as that time as um, Harry Maguire marauding down the left wing, looking like an overconfident Hollyoaks actor during soccer aid, <laughs> which <laughs> I thought was a pretty, pretty accurate uh, and fair description. I feel watching him now and his kind of what he's going through, I feel that he's like the kind of person that would a lot of this would weigh on him, and that and that that there's there is a need for maybe another player would handle this differently and be able to be able to carry this burden, and maybe would find the release on the field. It's 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 difficult because because like you say, um, there's a reason why he's been made captain at various stages in his career, and uh, and there's a reason why he's been made captain of of United as well. And part of that is, like you say, his personality and this um, this idea that he is uh, a leader um, or or a type of leader. Because like there's different kinds of leaders. There's people who who shout. There's people who sort of lead by example. There's people who've just got an aura of sort of like. Um, of just um, uh, responsibility about themselves, um, but um, that that gets difficult when, again, we've kind of discussed this before. But like when United are playing playing badly, or when United need somebody to um, get them g'd up and get them sort of like uh, focus on the game and get them sort of like to overcome a funk, it's hard to do that as a captain if if you are fundamental to that funk and you are sort of a a, a prime reason for why why things are going wrong at that particular time and 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 that's the kind of situation that uh Maguire's kind of found himself in like he can't sort of like uh do that whole thing of like clap his hands and shout at everyone and say come on lads when like he's the one who needs somebody else to be saying that to him and to get in to, to get him up so it's 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 really difficult but um I don't know like I as as well as what's happening internal internally within him, I also find it interesting what's happening externally about him and like the narrative around him because I think there's obviously been a change of mood on social media and and, and the wider sort of uh, football sort of uh, community where it's kind of like you can't make jokes anymore. You can't make jokes about him because like he's going through a tough period or like uh, enough's enough now or like anyone who, anyone who makes a joke now that they, that they would have easily made two weeks ago and nobody would have batted an eyelid. But now if they make the joke, they're horrible and cruel. It's just interesting the way that, that, that tends to happen because I think without anyone being to, being, um, to blame in any way, I think we all end up being slight hypocrites about it because we all like, like as a general, as a general, this general sense that sort of starts sort of coming in of like, okay, stop taking the piss now. Um, he's, he's going through a difficult period. That is, that is very reasonable and that is very empathetic and that should be applauded that people are thinking in that way. 
But then at the very same time, those same people who were saying that will then be taking the piss out of uh, Jordan Pickford or someone else. Yeah, and he's never used to get this sort of sympathy when he makes mistakes either. That, but but, but, but that's, that's exactly it. So, so you kind of think, first of all, you think who, who, who suddenly decided that we stop taking the piss or who suddenly decided that this person is a human being and deserves to be treated in a certain way? And, and, and why don't we extend that, that, that thought process for other people? And I'm not really saying this because I'm criticizing anyone who's highlighted um, sort of the need to be sensitive because that's, that's a good thing. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that anyone's to blame in any way, but, or, and I'm not even saying that, that like we should change the way we think about people because, because, People will always take the piss, and that's important. Um, and and that's a, that's a that's a fun thing about football. But I think anyone who's who becomes too um, sort of uh, uh, indignantly um, righteous about it, it's it's slightly disingenuous. Just because you kind of think, well, well, sort of like you were doing it, you were doing it sort of a few weeks ago, and you are doing it now about other players. Like like no one extends that concern about sort of like um, Paul Pogba's well-being or or certain other other like like the amount of abuse that Raheem Sterling had at every single game for ages until people kind of decided actually like this is weird this is really weird that 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 fans who aren't Liverpool fans or fans that or, or fans that ha- haven't got a vested interest in his career are booing him and treating him like shit for no reason like like he he got none of that protection so it's just i think i think there's just an inherent uh hypocrisy uh and and, and i include myself and and everyone there is a hypocrisy about how we sort of speak about footballers in terms of their mental health because we we are all to blame and we are all culpable and anyone who sort of like like suddenly takes a stand and says this is ridiculous how dare you it's kind of like it's 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 slightly sort of um disingenuous i think yeah 100% i and like there is there's some obvious reasons why different players get held to different standards obviously with pogba there is um very much an unconscious bias um, to do with his race um, in in some criticism, not in all criticism, but with uh, and and compare that to the abuse, but now sympathy or like mocking, but now sympathy that Maguire's been getting. It's kind of like we've decided, all right, enough's enough. Um, let's be nice to Maguire now. But but Pogba never got that, as you say. Um, and I wonder whether that's because of their personalities. Whereas Maguire looks like, as you say, an overconfident Hollyoaks actor. He looks like um, someone who's just been plucked off the street and put in a Man United strip. Uh, whereas Pogba is much more of a celebrity. He's a lot more confident. Um, he's a lot more extrovert in his personality. So uh, in that sense, people might think he brings it on himself, which he obviously doesn't. Um, and they are just footballers going through a bad patch of form, but it's uh, it's interesting and obviously quite sad the in the way the way that we apply different standards to to different players. I mean, I I, I know that I do it like 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 for instance, um, if we take goalkeepers and take the piss out of goalkeepers, like for some reason in my head, when 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 Simon Mignolet was making loads of mistakes, I felt less. Uh, like 
I was less, and I'm not saying I never did take the piss out of him, but like I felt less prone to take the piss out of him just because he he just seemed like a more of a fragile character and and more of a sort of like a like a bit of a tragic figure than 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 say Pickford and um, and uh, who's the keeper who's at Spurs now? Oh, um, Joe Hart. Yeah, so, so so those are two players who who I instinctively and probably unfairly just assume that they are they have got massive confidence in themselves and 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 confidence version on arrogance about themselves and therefore I think they're fair game and and that's 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 a major hypocrisy in my head because who the fuck am I sort of to, to, to sort of like uh, decide on on who's fair game and who's not so like we all do, we all just naturally do it um, but I don't think a a I don't think there's ever an excuse to get too cruel or too personal about it for anyone but on the same uh, by the same on the same sort of uh logic i i don't think anyone who takes the piss out of a particular player in 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 a relatively harmless harmless way is being evil they they are just they are just sort of like uh part of like this this banter that that football fans have with each other that is is sort of like just part of like how how we sort of communicate and have fun and I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a cruel a cruelty thing. I think it's just people having a laugh and not always realising how it affects people. And I suppose as well there's an element of like the you know that classic trope, the American apology. You know, the uh if you've done no matter how no matter what bad it is how bad it is the thing that you've done, if you're prepared to go on, you know, cable television prime time and uh, apologize preferably cry um you you will get sim- like the, the basically the worm can turn i'm these this is a pr strategy i'm not saying i'm not comparing this like for like with Maguire here but you know tiger woods people gave him a chance because he got up there despite everything that he'd done or was perceived as him doing wrong morally and when he was prepared to be vulnerable then people were like okay okay we might give this guy a chance for Maguire, I'm not saying for a second that that's, this is done with any kind of strategy, but when he gets sent off, that sending off is kind of like maybe it's the best thing that could happen to him at this point because it does change people's attitude towards him because they see how forlorn he is when he's trudging off the field and they think, oh, okay, uh, he looks really vulnerable now. I And we're all human. It's like, I might just cut this guy a bit of slack. Yeah, um, it also ensures that he won't be in the next England squad. Um, or play in the next England game. I don't know how long the suspension is. Probably just one game, which is good because he he shouldn't um, shouldn't be subject to that sort of scrutiny while he's in such bad form, and just shouldn't be picked because he doesn't deserve to be picked on merit at the moment. So, um, you know, a game away from that squad will will probably do him no harm. Okay, not a lot of time left, chaps. We're going to have to move on, Nods. Uh, just time is against us. So I just want to talk very quickly about Southgate because. Um, <clears throat> obviously in Ireland we've there's been a lot of pressure on Stephen Kenny he's only been in the job for five games and he's drawn one and lost four which isn't a great start um, and the reaction has been understandably would everyone please calm down give this man and his team a chance in England <laughs> like obviously we've seen Southgate has built a great team a great spirit and yet one defeat <laughs> one defeat and the odds uh, the bookies are up putting on and the uh, the odds for the next England manager, and there has been chatter about Gareth Southgate being replaced, which to me seems absolutely crazy. But um, Ruben, that doesn't stop us looking at the the potentials. 
And top of the list is, I have to say, a bit of a surprise. Uh, surprise for me, anyway. What do you think of the potentials that have been listed there in the next England manager? The person to replace Gareth Southgate, whenever that might be. Well, I saw a list recently and it had Sean Dyche top of it. So <laughs> I don't know what people want. Like, people complain about us playing too many defensive players um, and, you know, ending up with a back five and it being a little bit too boring. Um, well, if the alternative is Sean Dyche, then no thank you. Um, he's done well with Burnley, but he's not exactly what you'd call progressive as a manager, is he? Um, I think I think it's all really over the top. I tweeted about this at the weekend when, um, or during the week, sorry, when the game's happening. When Whenever an England lineup is announced or an England squad is announced, everybody is fuming because there's so many players to choose from so many club allegiances that sort of dictate what people who people think should be picked that everybody is always angry at the England team there is never a time when everybody's pleased and thinks yeah that looks like a solid lineup and I understand why he's left certain players out that sort of rationale just does not apply so it annoys me but like I can understand why people want to see Grealish in the team for example I think he's a vastly superior footballer to Mason Mount and I would rather he plays but it's not a reason to suddenly say Southgate should be sacked. Um, and nor is losing to Denmark 1-0 because Denmark are a good team. We got we went down to 10 men quite early. Uh, I, I mean, people will blame the selection and say, like, oh, you shouldn't have picked Maguire anyway, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, we weren't... I mean, we, we were quite bad against Denmark. But, like, we beat Belgium, who were ranked number one in the world. Um, and, we, and we beat Wales and... He played it. He played the same system, but sort of different players in in each game. And he it was clear that he had a game plan for each game while trying to rotate the squad and limit the number of minutes that certain players are playing because they're all knackered anyway. So I think people fail to take that into consideration in this international break that he will have every manager in his ear saying, "Don't burn my players out." So I was uh, like, I I pref- I would like to see us go back to four three three, and I would like to see Grealish in the team. Um, as I wrote uh, earlier on in the week, I sort of looked at the different options that England should should have, and sort of concluded that we should have two sort of a more progressive four three three, and then when we need to um, pay a bit more respect to the opponents and sit back a little bit, go back to what he's been playing recently and uh, bring in an extra defensive player sort of thing. But it's just it's insane, insanely over the top reactions. I mean, like we we got to Nations League semi-finals last time in, in a group with Spain and Croatia. That was pretty impressive, um, and we got to the World Cup final two years ago. Um, the problem is that a lot of the World Cup squad haven't kicked on since then. Um, but I think there are a few. There are there are plenty of young players in the current England squad that can take us forward and people well, be a little bit on that on that Ruben we've gifted you Jack Grealish we've gifted we've handed him back to you as a gift from Ireland to England thank you very much it was very kind uh, and you won't play him what's the story the, the story is Gareth Southgate loves Mason Mount right and I've got no I, I don't really have too much of an issue with that Mason Mount is a good footballer but and he sees Grealish who plays as a number, well, he Grealish plays on the left wing for Villa, right? But he's basically a really good attacking number eight slash number 10. Um, I think he's a lot, it, when he plays on the left wing, he's like, it was like when Iniesta got shoved out to the left wing for Barcelona. It's kind of, it's not his best position, but you want to get as many of your best players in as possible. So 
he can do a job anywhere. So let's put him there. It's kind of that sort of thing. But so Southgate has this idea that he's a left winger, but then we have Sterling, Sancho, uh, Rashford, uh, and Mount. Who is Mount's not a winger either, really? But it's it's to do with Southgate wanting the balance of the team, and if Grealish fits into that, then great. And if he doesn't, then tough shit. But like he played against Wales and was really good. But he played in in that front three, and then against the other teams, he didn't get a minute, which was he didn't come on at all against Belgium or Denmark, did he? Which was quite disappointing. So look, I, I want to see Grealish in the team as much as you lot, but um, the fact that he's not playing is not reason to suddenly say that Southgate should be sacked. I don't think. Uh, Naz, your thoughts before we hit for the road? Um, well, I mean, so get out, yeah. <laughs> My well, Mike again, like like you know how much of a fan I am of Grealish, and 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 the last time, if history taught us anything, it's that that is that outrageously talented footballers who don't get picked for England end up becoming bigoted, sort of twats later in their lives, and I don't want that to I don't want that to happen. So like for for for, for the future, for our for our kids, get Grealish an England team. <laughs> Okay, perfect. All right, listen, uh, thank you so much, gentlemen. Uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Derby's galore, and uh, we're going to enjoy it. And we're going to reflect upon it as well, Monday as well. So if you haven't already done so, click subscribe, and you'll never miss an episode of The Football Spin. Thank you to Ruben, Ch- you Ruben Chowdhury. What's going on there? What the fuck? Are we married? Nerding Tinder. Congrats, lads. <laughs> Congrats. Um, we, 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 I've let it slip. We weren't supposed to tell anybody. <laughs> We're both going to go off for a pre together. <laughs> <laughs> and a class of coffee. Right, Ruben Pinder and Naz Chowdhury, thank you so much. And thanks to you guys for listening. Talk soon. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation, Marabo. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shave.